Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 292, Students and Space Genes. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, scientists, engineers, astronauts, students, all to let you know what's going on in the world of human spaceflight and more. We're lucky to get to chat with scientists, engineers, and students on the podcast to demonstrate the widespread opportunities that the International Space Station offers. What's become increasingly clear to me is that there are so many ways for students to get involved in space that inspire potential career paths, particularly in engineering and science. One such opportunity is a program called Genes in Space. Running every year since 2015, this program collects proposals from middle and high school students who design an experiment to run aboard the International Space Station. Whoever wins gets to see their experiment fly to space and run by astronauts. Now, this competition calls out to students interested in science. Focusing on DNA, Genes in Space gives students a taste of what life would be like as part of the large scientific community that contributes to research on the International Space Station and often inspires these students to pursue a career in these fields. We're lucky to have join us today Scott Copeland, co-founder of the Genes in Space program at Boeing, and Pristine Anoaha, the student winner of the Genes in Space 2022 competition. No sweatpants today, we're dressing up for Genes in Space. Sorry. T minus five seconds and counting. Mark. Mission start. T zero. Launch commit light circle. There she goes. Houston, we have a podcast. Scott and Pristine, thanks so much for coming on Houston Wave Podcast today. Uh, thank you very much for having us here today. We're we're excited to participate. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. I'm really excited. Yeah, happy to have you both. This is really cool. I get to talk with the co-founder of Genes in Space and talk about the whole thing, and then, of course, a winner getting multiple perspectives here. This is very, very interesting. I want to dive into a little bit about each of you before we get into Genes in Space and, and what this is uh, and really the whole experience of, of what, what you guys saw for 2022 and what we will see for 2023. Scott, why don't we start with you? You are co-founder of Genes in Space, but it's one of many hats that you wear. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, very fortunate to get the role of uh, being the project manager for uh, Genes in Space overall. We have a, a wonderful uh, co-founder also with our company in Boston, Mini PCR Bio, and they run the day-to-day execution of the, of the uh, contest itself. So Boeing's role and what my role is primarily is looking at uh, we're responsible for the flight integration, the safety certification, and the on-orbit operations of that. But we work hand-in-hand throughout the, the entire process for the contest. Uh, during the day, my normal job, I'm the director for research integration for all the payloads that get flown up to the space station. So uh, NASA OZ is my immediate customer all right. for that activity. So very happy to do that. And then I get to do the genes and space as a side job. And that's actually probably the most favorite thing I get to do. So it's <laughs> a lot of fun to interact with the uh, students. And that's such. great. Yeah. And we'll definitely get into why it's so it's such a it's such a wonderful thing to do. And I've got to experience it myself over in San Francisco one year and got to see the excitement from the students. So I definitely understand. Just this, that personal, when you see it in their eyes, the excitement, there's nothing else like it. That's correct. Yeah, my background is actually mechanical engineering from Auburn oh, University. Cool. But uh, I've always had an interest in the other sciences as well. I grew up, my 
1 through 12, my school was on campus of a university there in East Tennessee. Hmm. And so my, my father was chairman of the biology department there. My mother worked on campus as well in the business office. My sister's a medical doctor. She teaches and is a professor of internal medicine at the medical school there. So I've been surrounded with the life sciences all my life. Wow. And so I think the, that's kind of uh, made a positive uh, influence on mine and my desire to, to work with the STEM outreach, which is so important to Boeing. Well, that's incredible because you get to do a little bit of that, but then you also get to explore all the different sciences in your research integration role. That's what that is, is bringing a huge variety of science to the International Space Station. So you get to see a little bit of everything. Yeah, from all the disciplines. So it's quite exciting. <laughs> and quite busy, right? That's correct. Yeah, we're in a period of in, of in a lot of use for the International Space Station. We can get into that too. Pristine, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you. Uh, tell me about um, you know your education so far and your introduction to genes in space and how, how, how you got where you are today. Yeah, so I guess I can talk about how I learned about genes in space. Um, I learned about it through my, through my high school, through a STEM club there. It's called the Women in STEM Club, and it was just an opportunity offered to different students. And I was really drawn to the opportunity because throughout my life, I've always been really curious about the world and specifically about biology. I loved asking questions about how life works, and that kind of led me to research because I really like the process of asking questions as well as like pursuing the answers to those questions. So when I saw the genes and space opportunity, I saw it as an opportunity for me to just explore my biology passions further. That's awesome. Did you did you always have that sort of curiosity? Is that something maybe your parent? Do your parents have some history in uh, in science, or is it something you just sort of stumbled upon? I guess I got introduced to it by my parents. My parents are both in medicine, so they had that um, mm. human health aspect and experience. And so I guess learning from them and then trying to dive deeper into it throughout my life and through various experiences in my education kind of just helped um, steer me towards that route. That's awesome. And uh, so you're still in high school, right? And you're going to be going to college next year, right? Yes. Uh, do you have any idea what you want to do, where you want to go? Yeah, so I'm planning on heading to UNC Chapel Hill in the fall, and I'm planning on majoring either biology or biochemistry, uh, just a major that will help me really get more involved in biological research in the future. Yeah, you want that element of life, it seems. Of all the different sciences, the, the biology, the biological aspect, the life aspect is something that's most intriguing to you? Yeah. And why is that? Of all the different things, you could have done physics, you could have done engineering. Why, why, why biology? I think it's just really interesting to learn about like the microscopic um, processes within living things. Like looking at a organism from a whole, it seems to be simple, but then you learn about the different cells, the cellular processes, everything that integrates and works together to um, keep an organism alive. And then also learning about different ways that things can go wrong, things can change, and thinking of how um, you can use innovation to improve human health or just like improve cellular processes and apply it in a way that's beneficial. That's awesome. Did you have a did you have a a really good biology teacher? Because you see, the thing is, like, I was really interested in biology, but just didn't have an, a teacher that really inspired me, and so I didn't really get sucked in. Even though I was, I remember going into biology class very interested in biology, but then walking away feeling defeated, and you know, I just I just didn't feel like it was something that I could do. Did you have a good biology teacher, good mentor that sort of encouraged you to keep pursuing something like that? 
Absolutely. My AP biology teacher from last year was really a great mentor to me. And she's actually my sponsor for Genes in Space. Like throughout her class, I was just always really engaged with the material. And she noticed that and she would always offer me different opportunities to get involved with. Like, oh, there's a STEM internship that you could apply to or here's a local program you can get involved with. And she really just helped me nurture my passion for biology. And so when I uh, wrote my proposal for Genes in Space and submitted it, she was the first person I thought of of being my sponsor. That is awesome. That's awesome. So let's talk about Genes in Space, right? Let's, uh, Scott, we'll go over to you. What is Genes in Space? Tell us about the history. Tell us about what it is. What is this program? Okay, a little bit of history. So Boeing is continuously looking for uh, businesses that can take advantage of the unique environment in space, right? So everything works a little different there. There's a lot that can be discovered from flying experiments in that environment. So we met our co-founders, the mini PCR, PCR Bio in Boston in 2014. So they had a small device that was uh, made for like a copy machine of replicating DNA. And we knew there was a gap uh, on station. We had no capability really at that time to do any molecular biology type experiments. And that was primarily due to the, the, the standard equipment at that time was heavy, bulky, very cumbersome, was not very conducive to put onto the space station. Their little device was compact, it used low power, it was perfect. So it was a solution we'd been looking for. So we started discussions with them, and uh, that was kind of how Genes in Space was born. So we went ahead and bought two of the machines. We uh, went ahead and got them qualified. But then the big question was, what are we going to do with it? Yes. And so all this happened over about a six-week period. We started some discussions with with the owners of the company, and they had grown up in Argentina. And in that country, they had no access to really technical type equipment in their uh, high schools. And so they really had a passion for STEM education, putting inexpensive equipment into the classrooms with the training materials that would go along with it. So at that point, we decided, why don't we merge our experience with aerospace and flying payloads with their background in the STEM education and the technology of uh, DNA replication let's throw the question out to what to do with it to the students. So that's how it came about, because that's a very wide open question, right? Mm -hmm. Open-ended. And so we decided to let the students decide what to do with it. So that was the genesis of it. Our first contest was, uh, took place in 2015. So we opened it, uh, I think is mid-January with uh, submissions required by April. So it was a really a fast-paced project that first year. Yeah, my goodness. How did, how, did, how did that first year go? When you opened it up, there's this brand new thing. No one's, this is year number one. Uh, how many, did you get a lot of submissions, a lot of engagement? We did. We, uh, we were very pleased. We were running to the cliff, you know, <laughs> I bet. and uh, we had no budget. We were pretty much doing all <laughs> this on our own time after work and such, mm-hmm. but it uh, worked out very well. We ended up with over 300 submissions. And uh, the first winner was uh, Anna Sophia Bogorov, and she actually has her journal article that was published in Nature on the first polymerase chain reaction. Now that's a common term after the COVID, right? Yeah. So we did the first PCR, demonstrated it would actually work in space. No one had ever done that before. Incredible. Incredible. Um, my gosh. So uh, let's let's talk about. I, I want to keep talking about um, uh, genes in space and just the whole process, right? So. 
you sort of you you really breeze through the process of just collecting proposals, reviewing them, and then and then somehow there's this thing about there's a moment where the proposal turns into a thing that actually flies on station, right? So when you're actually when you actually go through the process, um, what does that look like step by step? Okay, so the Genes and Space contest itself is open for students in grades seven through twelve, and so it's a, a fairly short proposal they submit, and we collect those on a website. And so once all those are in, um, we started off the first year around 300. I think the maximum we've ever had is uh, close to 900 or so in a given year. Mm -hmm. So we collect the proposals. We have a great team of mentors from Harvard and MIT. They donate their time and they're taken away from their research to help us but they screen the proposals with us we just finished this year's screening uh, about a week ago in boston hmm. so they go through those we down select those and then uh, it's a real wonderful experience to watch the debates that go on so <laughs> you, you can cut about half out pretty fast but the, then you're getting down to where there's a lot of different unique experiments being proposed from the students yeah. they're very creative and, and what they uh, come up with. So it's a lot of fun to watch that debate go on. Each proposal is reviewed by at least two independent reviewers. Mm. And then over a course of uh, several weeks, we come down to about uh, 75 proposals at that point. And then uh, all those are reviewed again and by different reviewers. And eventually we come up with our semifinalist. And so that's about 30 30 uh, semifinalists at that point. And they're the ones that actually, from there, do, they're the ones that actually have to present? Well, at that point, uh, what we ask them to do is based on two things. One is their written proposal they turned in, uh -huh. and then we ask them all to do a short 60-second video. So we want to look at their communication skills and how they can present their proposal. Mm. And so from that, we down-select to our top five. Okay, and then and then it really picks up with the Correct. level of complexity yeah, that they have to deliver. Yeah, and what's great about it is I think it sets this contest apart from the other science contests I've seen. We match each of the five finalist teams with for two months. They'll work hand in hand with their mentors from Harvard or MIT. Huh. They help them to review their science proposal. They help them with their presentations. We try to mold the, um, try to stay true to the what they want to do with their science, but we'll have to also change it somewhat to make it executable on the space station. So they work with them uh, throughout that process. Right. And then we bring those five finalists to the ISS Research and Development Conference. This year it's being held in the C uh, Seattle, Washington. Stressful for them, I'm sure. So about <laughs> midway through the uh, conference, they get to present their proposals to a team of uh, experts, yeah. and, uh, and then we make a final selection and announce a winner, winner at the last day of the conference. Wonderful. Scott, you just laid out the whole process of what it takes to submit a proposal all the way through these step-by-step-by-step, step step, shaving off each proposal and getting weaning down to the finalists. And, and it could be quite expansive, right? You said at the high end it could be like 900 or, or proposals. You said even, even half you can get right away. That's still over 400 that you have to really look at and, and, and whittle down even further. Pristine, knowing the back end... 
take us through the front end uh, from the time that you, you know, back to you already mentioned when you discovered Jeans in Space to writing those first proposals and keep and continuing down the path of getting down selected. What was that whole process, that whole experience like for you? Yeah, so for me, I didn't really have like much of an experience with space biology. I didn't really know much about the field. So one of the first things I did was just try and learn more about it. I remember reading tons and tons of like articles and studies relating to space biology, trying to find like some area of knowledge that hadn't been like covered. And um, that specifically led me to the twin study. And so that was a NASA study that involved two twins. Um, one twin was sent to space and the other was um, left on Earth. And so that study documented the changes between the two. And um, one of the results that I found really interesting, like dealt with the um, genetics of the twins in space. And it dealt with um, that twin's telomeres. And telomeres are the repetitive DNA that cap the ends of our chromosomes. And so what I found really interesting was that for the twin in space, it, um, their telomeres appear to um, get longer. On Earth, telomeres normally shorten as we age, and mm. because they appear to get longer for the twin in space, it kind of brought up the question of whether astronauts in space um, age differently. Something I found really interesting about this uh, mystery was that the cause of that process was unknown, and so that was the topic that I really wanted to expand further on. Like, it brought up the question for me, um, how can I design a proposal that will help um, alleviate this gap in knowledge? And so I spent um, a lot of time working on my proposal to um, design an experiment that would help us see if that process could be linked to a change in the development of certain cells. And so um, I just spent a lot of time writing that proposal, and I eventually ended up submitting it as my original proposal to the contest. And then later on, I was named a semifinalist, and then later on as a finalist. And so with my mentor, um, Honor Carla, she really helped me to take what I had written on paper and, and put it into a format that I could present to a group of people in a really concise and clear way and just get my um, idea across. Interesting. So um, along the way, um, you talked about the the research and the mentorship that, that got you to, to where you are. Can you talk about some of the some of the some of the advice that you were given along the way about what it takes to think about things differently in microgravity and, and how to structure a proposal. What advice were you given along the way that helped you to get you to that finalist position? Yeah, so my mentor really just helped me try and um, condense my experiment and make it like as simple as it could be while still trying to answer the question of how might that tell me lengthening process happen? And because in space, um, there's limited resources. And so I just really worked on trying to design an experiment that would help um, answer that question. Um, how, how about your experience in high school? Were you designing experiments and other things and, and kind of had a, a familiarity with how an experiment is designed from, from start to finish? Or was this really your, your deepest, almost introduction into designing an experiment? Well, in my high school, I had taken, like, lots of different science classes, and I remember one of my biomedical science classes, we got to design an experiment um, involving, like, lactase and enzyme, and so your experiences like that, um, I got to have an understanding of the scientific process, and I remember earlier, um, I did research in aquatic ecology, and so that was more formal. I got to write a whole proposal from beginning to end, and so that really helped give me the experience that I applied to genes in space when I was writing my proposal. 
How about when you when you were getting feedback about how far into the process you were going, that, that you were a semifinalist, that you were a finalist? What were some of those emotions that you were experiencing as you realized, like, oh, my gosh, I might actually win this thing? Oh, yeah, it was definitely really exciting. <laughs> when I was a semifinalist, that was definitely really exciting. And um, like Scott said, uh, we were to uh, make a video communicating our idea. And so um, looking at what I had written on paper, I just spent a lot of time trying to um, communicate my idea across and not only share the idea, but share my excitement for the idea because it was just an idea that I had found really interesting. So I wanted to convey that. That's awesome. Um, so, uh, now let's talk about the research and development conference, right? Scott, you mentioned that this year was, is Seattle. What about 2022? Where did you go? Let's see. Uh, last year, I'm trying to remember, uh, Washington, Washington D.C. DC. Yes, okay. this is the second time we'd been to Washington D.C. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it went well, and uh, it was so exciting to see uh, when the announcement is made. There, I remember Pristine was sitting right down in front of me when we were on the stage, and you could see her just smiling from ear to ear, and also <laughs> just uh, astounded that she had won. <laughs> it was great, and the the other students were all very supportive for that as well. Awesome. Pristine, was it was it overwhelming? Guys, the, the, it's, a, it's a highly attended conference, right? A lot of people there, and you, you had like a lot of eyes staring at you. What was the experience like for ISS R&D? Yeah, so like you said, like the room was enormous. And I remember <laughs> just standing there um, before the stage. Um, they were reading out the person who won. And then when it was my name, I was just in shock. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was in a lot of shock. And I remember hearing the applause of the audience, the applause of... Um, the other finalists near me, and then turning and looking to my teacher. She was standing up. She was in tears, and that really just grounded me, like, wow, I won. And then I remember walking up to the stage and getting handed the trophy, and the trophy was so heavy. It just really helped bring me back to reality, like, wow, I actually won, and my experiment will be going up to space. So that was a really memorable experience for me. That is awesome. Oh my gosh, I, I can't even imagine. It's it's a cool it's a cool experience this ISS research and development conference, right? You're like this is a, you know, if you especially if you're thinking about joining this community of of researchers that uh, that contribute to microgravity science and stuff. You probably had a, a quite a number of experiences to talk with people that are either interested in that and just see how vast that community is. Pristine, did you get to kind of network and talk to different people and learn from from folks that are experienced in the field? What was what was that like? Yeah. So in the days leading up to um, my presentation, I remember there being a booth, and then um, there were just lots of different people um, involved in space in space science. Um, at different booths, and I remember just walking around and learning about all these cool areas of space biology that I didn't even know, like, were being um, investigated or studied and just all these technologies being developed for space travel. And I remember specifically going to um, the table run by the ISS National Lab, and they had all of these opportunities for youth like me to get involved with. And then it just brought me back thinking, um, well, I can get more people involved with this. And so I remember taking a lot of, like, flyers and just samples and um, after the conference, I remember bringing them back to my school and sharing them with my peers so they, too, could get involved with um, this amazing field. That's awesome. Scott, this has got to be the reason that of all the places to host the finalists and of all, like, of, of all the ways you could have integrated this experience for students from the proposal to actually, you know, you're looking at a piece of hardware and really have to design 
all this whole thing around it and the experience of having finalists at ISS R&D, this has got to be one of the main reasons, right? You have folks that are really passionate about it, that have spent a lot of time. Pristine is, is talking about how much time she spent on all these different elements. Now, now it's paying off. Now it's paying off with not only the experience of winning, but of talking to really, um, really passionate people in this field that can help inspire her and others. Yeah, we're we're very happy that we're able to uh, do the finals at the ISS R&D. They get exposure to, they can go into the main rooms and hear the keynote speakers. They can interface with other companies that are there. There's a big exhibit hall that Pristine mentioned that they can go visit with all the companies that have equipment on display, as well as sitting other splinter sessions and listen to the results of other researchers presenting their results from their on-orbit experience. Doing this year after year, right, starting with 2015, how have you refined the genes and space experience and the gene, like the way that it's structured and all of that? What has changed over time? I think our basic structure has stayed the same. It seems to work pretty well. Yeah. Uh, we did have to pivot significantly uh, during the COVID uh, pandemic timeframe. Uh, but we didn't miss a beat. We tried to keep uh, the same basic structure there. We couldn't do anything in person, but the proposal process still stayed the same. The mentoring was done uh, virtual, which is pretty consistent now because our mentors that are probably the real backbone of this contest, they donate their time from Harvard and MIT. So mm. they uh, do their work virtual through uh, Facebook, time or, or whatever mechanism works by, best with students. Uh, we have run one international contest, the United Arab Emirates, that had its own challenges, mm. um, but it turned out very well. We learned on that one, it took longer for us to do it. Instead of a one-year process, it was basically two years because mm. we didn't want to lower the standards of what we were looking for, because all of these are cutting edge experiments that we're used to seeing in the US. Mm -hmm. And it, it took longer to reach the students there and find the, the right candidates to, for the quality proposals. In the end, it worked out wonderful. Uh, of course, with the international time challenges, it, it made it even more difficult for the <laughs> mentoring, but uh, it was a good experience all in all. <laughs> Now we talked about the um, you know the proposal and and the experience of winning and all of that, but ultimately, and Pristine alluded to this, this thing is flying to the International Space Station. So there's this whole period afterwards, right? You have the 2022 cycle of the proposals and then eventually selecting the winner. We're now talking in 2023 about 2022 because of this experiment is flying to the International Space Station. So after the, the finalist is selected, Scott, what happens after that to get us to this point where we're ready to fly? That's where the work really begins. Yes. So, <laughs> so we take the, the proposal and the winner. We work with the, uh, the winner and the mentors, and we have to tweak things a little bit on what they want to do and come up with uh, an experiment that's true to, as I said, true to what they, uh, their proposal was about, but we have to be able to execute it. So we'll go, go through that. 
But that starts the full integration process then. We have to get through the safety, get any of the reagents, or the chemicals that are being used, get all those through and certified, get those ready to go, write the crew procedures for everything, do our ground testing and validation. So that's when it gets really busy for us. Quite busy, yeah. And Pristine, what about for you? Was it What were you doing on your end? Now that you're selected, you're like, oh my gosh, I actually have to, I have to make this thing fly to the International Space Station. How were you involved in this process? Yeah, so I met a lot with the Genes and Space team to talk about, like, the project development process. Um, yeah, and just, like, how things are being updated. Some things, like, um, whenever things had to be changed, we just, like, discussed those. And so I got to stay pretty involved with the process. And I remember um, I was able to go visit the mini PCR headquarters to go and work on, like, the pilot data for my experiment. So having that hands-on process, um, hands-on experience was really great. Yeah, we host uh, what we call the Space Biology Camp. So at the end of or towards the end of that process, we bring the student winner back. We meet in Boston at Mini PCR, and we go through everything top to bottom. So exactly through all the the procedures, make sure everyone understands exactly what we're doing. It's a good experience, Uh, and that takes a couple days. This year, I think, Pristine, we had some uh, a nor'easter come in, and the weather got really bad, so we had to compress it to— because they were shutting down the airports. But I think uh, Pristine probably enjoyed the experience while she was there for the day. Yeah. You did? That's great. Um, now you get the experience of seeing a launch too, right? All this hard work since, you know, you've, you've designed the proposals, you won, you got to actually you, you get to actually design an experiment or, or, or work with the team uh, that has this multifaceted approach to getting something to fly to the International Space Station. Now you get to go experience it. Will this be your first launch? Yes, it'll be my first launch, and so I'm really, really excited for it. Just like to have the opportunity to see an idea that originally started off in my head like become a reality and just get launched to the ISS. That's just so exciting for me especially um, having a lot of people having supported me throughout the way. It's just like the culmination of so much hard work, and I'm really excited for it. If only that was the end, right? You could see it just sort of fly up in the distance, and that was it. But but no, you actually have to see this experiment through, right? So you're going to be working with the mini-PCR on, on station and, and seeing your data come in. How involved are you in the, in the process, Pristine, of actually running the experiment? Yeah, so um, I've learned how to do the data analysis um, for the experiment. I learned that at um, Space Biology Camp. And so when we get, like, the data back, we'll be able to run the analysis on it and just um, analyze the results and see what we're getting. And um, I think they'll match what we've been getting and just help validate the experiment we're launching. Now, in terms of that time frame, right, you have obviously – you have to. You're going to graduate high school. You're going to go on to college. Will you still be involved as much as possible in all this through through all that transition? Yeah. So I'm I'm really keen to like get more involved with space biology throughout my career. So I'm definitely planning on staying involved with genes in space and the experiment afterwards. We're planning on hopefully um, turning into a, an article, turning the data into an article, so that we can share like our findings with um, the rest of the scientific community. Now. Um, you know, this whole process, right, has, has you, you've, you've shown to me how much your life so far has been dedicated to, to science, to this, even, even to this endeavor. And now you're talking about, to college, pursuing biology. 
I think to some extent, right? Maybe maybe this this genes in space has inspired you to pursue that, or is it something maybe you already wanted to go into? How has or maybe here's a better question: How has genes in space in this entire process influenced your direction? Yeah, so the genes in space experiment experience helped me get more involved with research, really helped walk me through more of the research process and just learning more about the logistics behind like turning an experiment as ambitious as one getting sent to the ice to a reality. And so um, it really just helped unlock like a passion for space biology for me. So in the future, as I'm planning to um, study biology, I'll definitely like be uh, focused on that path in that field. So yeah, genes in space really helped guide me along that path of um, space biology. Yeah, and maybe when you're in the lab conducting all your different experiments, you're like, hey, what if we put this in microgravity? You'll always have that in the yeah. back of your mind. <laughs> yeah. And I think it also is like specifically steered me more towards genetics because mm. as I was um, writing a proposal for um, genes in space, I learned so much more about like the field of genetics and just how much we can discover. And so, like you said, applying it to microgravity, we can try to answer questions relevant to space. So I'm really excited for that. Scott, this is got to be why this is a sort of a, you said it's a side job for you, right? I mean, this is, it's a, it's a big job. It's becoming very clear to me because there's so many, so many steps to this whole thing. There's the, there's the proposals, there's the analyzing the proposals, there's the, there's the, um, the event and selecting a finalist. There's actually working on the experiment to fly it to station. There's the whole analyzing those results. There's so many steps that you have to be involved in. And you call this a side job. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's really a great experience. So I mean, there's so our team is extremely strong. I mean, they ha, we all have uh, connections in different fields, so we work very hard to with uh, the universities and through conferences and uh, industry events to get the word out. So, you know, we we've reached all but six states throughout the the uh, the since we started Genes in Space. We've had. Pr- proposals from every state but six so we'll be working to target those states in the near <laughs> yeah. future it would be great to have a map with all those uh, squares checked off there. that would be nice all 50 states have participated and yes your plan right you're going to keep this going as long Correct. as you can yeah it's uh, really uh, it's uh it's a a premier uh, STEM education event for Boeing cool. and especially for our space division here. So we've had 98, we've reached 9,800 students to date. So uh, that's uh, fantastic. And with over 5,000 proposals that have come in. I always find um, that, you know, the, 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 the numbers are fantastic. 9,800 students, that's incredible. I always find the anecdotes for me, to be the most powerful, right? So when you hear Pristine's story, when she comes on and she talks about the whole, you know, being so involved in the process and having having an influence of everything that's been put together for Genes in Space to have some influence on, on a person's career, on a person's life choices, that to me is always the most powerful thing. And you get to experience that every year. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Unfortunately, we only have one winner each year. But <laughs> yeah. but then, on the other hand, we do recognize we have the Junior Scientists Awards as well. Hmm. And so we recognize another 30 students that participate in that. And, you know, we're really hoping to train our next generation of employees. You know, yeah. that's part of it, whether they come to Boeing or or other. But if we can f- keep the research going in the United States, that's very important for all of us. 
Scott, in your position of working so closely with students, of seeing so many experiments on the International Space Station, and of seeing, you know, the scientific community contribute to research in microgravity and see students contribute to microgravity. It, it, in my, from my point of view, it has to be both. And it has to be there. You can take full advantage of the whole microgravity experience by pulling in as much knowledge as possible, particularly from your vantage point, having such deep integration in the whole experience of bringing students, seeing fresh ideas, bringing on the research community. When you look at microgravity research, what's your, what's your selling point when you reach out to the, to, the, um, to the researchers, when you reach out to the students, what do you say to try to bring them in as to say, this is why microgravity research is so important? I think it's a, such a unique environment that researchers can take advantage of that and find solutions to problems we can't find here on in the 1G environment. So uh, we're going to have some huge breakthrough, I know, coming, and I'm looking forward uh, to seeing what that is. That's awesome. Pristine, you had the experience of, of genes in space. You're now going to be moving on to a, to a pursuing a scientific career, and you have students behind you that are going to want to do something very similar. They're going to want to, they might be interested in science or, or maybe they're, maybe they're looking at this whole experience and thinking they have to write a proposal and they have, you know, they're talking about microgravity research and it could be, could be a little bit scary. It could be a little bit daunting to the students that are going to be following you, Pristine, any words of advice that you can share for a student that may want to do this, but may be too nervous to do it. Yeah, I would just tell them to just pursue their curiosity and see how far it takes them. Just like dive deep and don't be afraid to be ambitious because, and um, to not be afraid like if you don't know much about the field because I didn't have much experience with space biology, but I just pursued my ambitions in it and it led me here. So, Were you confident the whole time, Pristine, or did you have moments throughout this where it's just like, oh man, I don't know if I'm ready for this or I don't know if I could do it or, or did you have maybe the right support along the way? What was your experience like? Yeah, there were definitely times when I was nervous. I know in the days leading up to my final presentation, there were a lot of nerves, but I knew that I had a lot of people supporting me. And like, even if I didn't win, that I still had a great experience, like writing a proposal that I was really excited about and just putting a lot of work into um, sharing that idea. I think that's important too, right? You don't necessarily have to be a winner. There's a lot of people that get to experience this, right? You talked about the 9200, 96, did I, did I get that right? 9200. There's a lot of people that get to do this and just that experience alone can be good. It always though is good, pristine, to write down winner 2022 on that resume. That's, that's not bad. <laughs> Very good. Um, pristine and Scott, thank you so much for coming on Houston. We have a podcast. This has been such an incredible experience for me um, to get both of these, your perspective on contributing science and involving students and just the whole round thing that is genes in space. Thank you so much for coming on. This was great. And have fun at launch. Florida's awesome. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, Boeing and Mini PCR, Bio, we'd like to thank, we have two sponsors that are there with us uh, all the way. New England Biolabs is mm. uh, also in the Boston area. They've supported us from the very first year, as well as the ISS National Lab, who provides a launch opportunity for us. So without those, we, we could not have this contest be su successful. And our mentors are just, uh, I think they're the best in the world that come in to help us and donate their time. It so. takes a huge team and it's definitely good to recognize that. Thank you so much, Scott. And thank to you, thanks to you, Pristine. Enjoy launch. Yeah, thanks so much for having us.
Hey, thanks for sticking around. Really good conversation today with Scott and Pristine. I really was inspired about this entire thing, and I hope you learned something today, too. You can check out nasa.gov for the latest. There's a whole section there on genes in space, a whole, um, uh, at least an article that you can go and just sort of review some of the things that they're doing. And you can check it out on nasa.gov. If you want to check out more of uh, the podcasts we have across the agency, that's on nasa.gov slash podcasts. We're there. Houston, we have a podcast, and our full uh, episode collection is there, and you can listen to any of them in no particular order. If you want to talk to us on social media, we're on the Johnson Space Center pages of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can use the hashtag AskNASA on your favorite platform to submit an idea for the show or ask a question. Just make sure to mention it's for us at Houston. We have a podcast. This episode was recorded on May 17th, 2023. Thanks to Will Flato, Pat Ryan, Justin Herring, Heidi Lavelle, Abby Graff, Belinda Polito, Jane Jennings, Destiny Duran, Steve Sisoloff, and Katie Martin. And of course, thanks again to Scott Copeland and Pristina Noaha for taking the time to come on the show. Give us a rating and feedback on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And tell us what you think of our podcast. We'll be back next week.